I'm going to read from Psalm 46, and I'm going to be reading in the Amplified. It brings out some of the Hebrew psalm, and uh, it just uh, it seems like it's a better flow than the King James. So Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. It's very interesting how it starts out, because the God is is the place of refuge and strength. A place of refuge is a place where we run to, where there's safety and there's strength. So God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable, impenetrable to temptation, a very present and well-proven or proved help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change or be shaken and moved, and though the mountains be shaken into the midst of the seas, or they fall, they slip into the heart of the seas, and though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling and tumult, all the confusion and trouble, stop. Selah. Pause. (laughs) And calmly think of that. Because there is a river whose streams will make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is, you see, this is the same God in verse 1, who is a refuge and a strength. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. Though everything around her is moving, she, she won't be moved. God will help her right early at the dawn of the morning. The nations raged, the kingdoms tottered and were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He's our fortress and a high tower. So Selah, pause and calmly think of that. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations and wonders in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow into pieces and snaps the spear in two. He burns the chariots in the fire. Let be and be still. And no one recognize and understand that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, our high tower and stronghold. As a result, Selah, pause and calmly think of that. This, of course, as God has shown us over the, over the course of the months that we've been together, this is in 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 11. This is where we as the church, those that are in Christ, those that are a heavenly people, we can look back and glean from how he spoke to Israel And when he was speaking this to Israel, even in their present time, and that's what this psalm, if we look back at it with the language of the Holy Spirit, this is what we call isagogical. In other words, we're studying and looking at the Word of God in its historical frame of reference. There was history, reality, facts that were going on and that are going to happen with Israel. It happened through their whole walk 
their whole life as, as a result of um, certain things. But this will be prophetically fulfilled. But we can look back at it. Because again, when it says it's the God of Jacob, remember when Jacob's name was changed and it's called Jacob's Trouble. And when, when it talks about that, we know that his name in Genesis 32 verse 28 was changed from Jacob to what? Israel. So this is dealing with the nation of Israel, but we can look back. All Israel's enemies were these physical enemies. They were these peoples. And you see them all throughout the Old Covenant. That, that They were their enemies. For us, we have these spiritual enemies because of the height of our position in Christ. Because of that height, uh, the enemies are even way more increased because of the height of our position. But here, we can see this and we can glean from this in a very, very beautiful thing because God truly is. And this was, he was speaking this to Israel. But he's speaking it for you and I this morning based upon our position in Christ as his church. And there's a major difference in understanding the scriptures. But when we look at this, what do we look at? We, we God is, God is. And who is he? Is He's a place of refuge. We said this recently, or I don't know, recently could be a decade or more with me. That's how recent it could be. I think it's even more. But when the children leave the safety and security of their home, the safety and security of their parents, the place where they can sleep and rest and be fed, they go out and play. And then when the storms come and they're playing, and you ever see little children? And there could be a bunch of adults in the room, they're talking. You see little ch children over there? They're in their own world. They're playing. And they don't hear anything. They're just playing. And then they go outside and they leave that place of security, safety, and rest. And then they're playing, still in their own world. And then when the storms come, the lightning, the thunder, and the storms come, what do the little children do? They run home because it's a place of refuge. It's a place of strength. And that place is what you and I have in Christ. For us, this is dealing with our thought life. Because the enemy, the enemies that Israel had were these physical ones. We have. And they were visible to them. Our enemies are invisible. It's Satan and a host of a demonic army that comes against us. And the battle is for the mind, the thoughts. And when we, when the storms come, we instantly, what can we do? We can instantly run to him through his word, through proper thinking. And only he is our might and our strength. And he, us being in him, uh, we are impenetrable to temptation. Because can God, in James 1 verse 13, can he be tempted with evil? He can't be. And when we run to him, because we can be, and these thoughts come, thoughts, random thoughts, all kinds of thoughts. And honestly, they can be good thoughts, excited thoughts. And they could be really, really random, fearful thoughts. 
can come. But one thing we know, how close is the God who is future to them as the nation to which he just, they wouldn't allow him to be so. In Hosea 4, verse 6, the, the Jews as a nation, it says, my people are destroyed through a lack of knowledge. It's not that they didn't have it, it's that they refused him. And, but for us, how, if we look back at our history, how faithful has he always been to us? Every circumstance, every situation that he's brought us in and being with us, has he brought us through? Has he always been faithful? And he has. And so he is what? He's a very present and well-proved help in the time of what would ever trouble us. We talked about recently random thoughts. All these thoughts, right? And usually, if we don't think with him, if he's not a very present help, then thoughts can trouble us. These random thoughts. And we can be all over the place. And we won't have a very present help or a very present mind of Christ, which is a fixed foundational order of how to think properly. He's very present, isn't he? Hasn't he always been Wasn't he even present when we had absolutely no idea of it? But as we grow in grace and knowledge in 2 Peter 3.18, we can look back and see. Yeah, he was. Yep. His love anticipated everything about me. And that grace that was provenient, that didn't have anything to do with my will, was still there waiting, waiting for me to receive it and, and for him and for us to experience his graciousness in Isaiah 30, verse 18. So because of that, is there any fear when we think with him? Never. No, there's no fear. Even in Romans 14, verse 22, happy is the man. Who's the man? It can only be the man or the woman in Christ. Happy is the man or the woman in Christ who condemns not himself. And the thing that he allows, things that we allow, those thoughts that we allow, the thoughts of fear, the thoughts of doubt, the thoughts of confusion. And God would have us to understand this morning, random thoughts, uh, uh, random thoughts have nothing to do with God's order. Furthermore, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, if they're random, they become thoughts of confusion. And God is not the author. He didn't didn't author that. In other words, the thought of his unchanging love has authority over us. (laughs) He's our author. He, He speaks it to us. And because of that, God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. He's the author of what? Life and peace. Who is our life in Colossians 3 verse 4? Who is our peace in Ephesians 2 verse 14? Listen, do we even have that constantly? Is he my constant life? Is he my constant peace? Will it ever change? Can God change? And he can never change. Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Oh, how our emotions, even the good ones, 
Of course, the bad ones can lie to us when we look to them apart from Christ and these random thoughts. But God is not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of Man that he should ever change his mind. Why? Because has he not said? Has he not said it? No. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of Man that he should ever change his mind. Has he not said? Will he not do it? Has he not spoken? And will he not bring it to pass? Well, we see very clearly here, because he's our refuge and strength, we won't fear. Though even the earth is going to be moved, and boy, it's going to be. It will be. We're headed for that. Prophecy is all around us being fulfilled. All around us. But thank God in 2 Peter 1, 19 and 20 and 21, 2 Peter 1, we have a much more sure word of prophecy. Because prophecy has to do, prophecy has to do with two things, okay? Prophecy has to do with what? God's grace, his love, or God's wrath. Judgment. Prophecy. You look at the whole Old Testament. There's judgment coming. Where's that coming? On the earth. Where's our position in Christ? It's in the heavens, above the earth. Wrath is coming. And we're going to see it, and see it here. Wrath is coming on this earth, but it won't touch us because in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5.9 and in John 3, verse 36, Christ has taken all of that wrath on him that would have been due to you and I. We have settled peace. We have settled peace with him. But the earth is going to change. It's going to be moved. And you can see that in 2 Peter chapter 3 in verses 10 through 13. You're going to see. We'll see in Matthew 24 verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away in terms of its form changing. Okay. But my word will not pass away. It's forever. It's unchangeable. And though the mountains be shaken... And the mountains here can speak of the trials when we go by sight. Because in 2 Peter, uh, I should say in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we walk through this world system by what? By what we see is going on in the world? Is that our present reality? It's prophecy being fulfilled, but is that our present reality? No, is Christ our present reality? Is he our present refuge and strength? And so we can see that. We can see we don't walk by sight. We walk by what? Absolute dependence on him who will never, in Hebrews 13, 5, with a triple salutation, he will never leave us nor forsake us, ever. He's never going to do that. And though those mountains be shaken, those huge trials can shake us. And, and, and it could seem like it could drown us in the midst of a sea of trouble and doubt and fear. And those waters roar and form. This can be all these thoughts that come against us and who we are in Christ. All these thoughts. And, and of course it says for this, and we can read this, and, I, and I'll just read these in, in Isaiah 57. And in verse, verse 19, this is a beautiful uh, understanding. Look what it says. 
in Isaiah 57, verse 19. Again, he's speaking to Israel. But who is our settled peace that we have right now? They're headed for theirs, true Israel. In Galatians 6, verse 16, true Israel is headed into the fulfillment of prophecy for the millennial reign. But do we have, as his heavenly people, that peace right now? We do. We do. That is our reality. If we don't have peace, are we thinking in the reality of who Christ is in us? See, Isaiah 57, verse 19, peace, peace to him who is far off. Of course, both to the Jew and the Gentile in this sense. And to him who is near, says the Lord. Look what it says. I create the fruit of his lips. In other words, are we going to speak the fruit of who Christ is in us? Or are we going to speak doubt, fear, anxiety, Do we lose and forget the fact that he does care for us and he has dealt with our eternal future? If that's the case, and it is, what can touch us in time? Read read Romans 8, verse 31, God for us. Who can be against us? Does it even matter? All those things that come against us. If God is for us, who is it coming against? Oh, boy. Says the Lord, I create the fruit of his lips and I will heal him. How many times do we experience this continual healing? Thoughts, anxieties, fears. And then we see in Psalm 107 verse 20, in the midst of that storm, he sends his word. He sends his word and he heals us. And he delivers us from all that destruction that was raging around us. That's the Greek word irene. It's E-I-R-E-N-E, irene. And it literally means a peace. And in the midst of the storm, the midst of the hurricane, there's an I where it's all calm. And that is the place where God has his eye on us. In Job 36, verse 7, he never removes his eye from those whose righteousness has been found in Christ. They're founded on it. And he never removes it. And in the center of that, there it's sunny, it's peaceful, it's calm, and all the storm is raging. It doesn't touch his eye. It doesn't touch his view of us. And therefore, can it, apart from the perfection of his will, touch us? Because we know in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15, all things are for our sakes. That through the abundance of grace, that grace in all of us might redound and circle right back to to the glory of God. And we can know and understand in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18 that all things are of God. We know that who's already reconciled us to himself. And he's even given us the ministry of reconciliation for others, other storm-driven people. And we're, in, we're operating towards them in a calm. And they're in a, a raging storm in their life. And we're operating in a calm. We're in a calm, calm place, and they see that. And oh boy, they want to enter in, and they can receive Christ. And we're his ambassadors. 
in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20, and God in us and the calm that we have is beseeching them. You too can be reconciled to me. You too can have peace. You too. And because we're his written epistles, known and read of all men, they read our lives. Are we calm? Are we peaceful? We may have the same troubles they do, but we have a peace that keeps all that trouble on the outside from entering in. And they see that, and they become very attracted to that. They're very, very attracted. And honestly, it could even just be the way that we live our lives in the presence of people. Yes, we say things, but our lives speak so much more how we live our life. It speaks volumes. And so we can see this in Isaiah 57, verse 19, peace, peace to him that is afar off and to him who is near. Does the peace change? Does the love change? We mentioned recently that no matter how far we get away from God or how close we are, his love is just as intimate, just as intense, just as loving. Ah, and I will heal him. His lips will blossom anew with speech now in thankful praise. But the wicked, and the wicked here just simply the unbelievers, that's all. The wicked are like the troubled sea, their thoughts, all these thoughts. These thoughts from the storm of the atmosphere. Do you remember when Jesus told them in Luke the 8th chapter, and you can look at the teens down through those 20s, when he told them, we're going to get in, let's get in this little ship, because we're going to get to the other side. And God told you he was going to do things in you and me, and he gave us promises. And we're in the middle of our journey, and he's sleeping. And we're content because he's there, but then the storm comes in the middle of it. And it doesn't seem like the promises are true. It seems like the promiser is sleeping. It seems like maybe he doesn't care. But then the voice says, cast all your care on me. Cast all your anxiety, all those thoughts. If you cast your anxious thoughts on me immediately, I will, if you take all your trouble, those things that are troubling you, and he allows it in Job 23 and verse 16, the Almighty troubles me. He allows it. So we have to run home to him. Just run home. And, and even in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trouble, We know that we have in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27, his everlasting eternal arms are underneath the very bottom of our bottom. You never hit bottom. The lie is you have. The lie is it's over. The lie is it's too late. The lie is it's too difficult. It's impossible. I can't do it. Well, run home. Just run home. And you'll have a refuge and a strength, and I will too. And then you'll be thankful. And then you can learn in Ephesians 5, verse 20, to be thankful for all things. And that means for everyone. Yeah, because we're for. God, Christ in us is for one another. And so we're for. We can be thankful for all things. And then be in Ephesians 5, 20. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, and verse 18, be thankful in all things. Because even when it's the storm, is he with us? Is he resting in us? He's resting in us. 
And so we see we can be thankful. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, for it cannot, what? Rest. And its waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, to the unbeliever, to the unbelieving. But what do we see here? We see that all this is going to happen with Israel. It's going to happen in the future in prophecy. Israel, the way they are right now, everything that they have has been done by man. God has allowed it. But whatever man does that's not of God, what does it do? It fails. It leaves us helpless and hopeless. And they, uh, they will be, as, the, as a country, they'll be desolated. And we can see that clearly in Matthew 23, verses 37 to 39, the nation of Israel. But not for us. Everything about us is already taken care of. Every single thing. And though even in the midst, when the enemy comes in and just brings, tries to bring in waves of fear and doubt, waves of fear and doubt, fear because I think someone's thinking a certain way about me, and that would just come from the enemy. Fears, fears, all these fears. And we know in 1 John 4, verse 18, there's no fear in love. There just isn't. Because love that's completed everything about me casts out that fear. And the reason he does, and the reason we should run home, is because fear has what? Torment. It has torture. And we become, in the enemy through thoughts, we become tortured with thoughts about ourselves. And we're in Christ. And we have peace. Tortured about the thoughts of others. Tortured ultimately and finally, about thoughts about God. Fact of the matter is, with all of that going on, listen to what it says in verse 4. There is a river, an abundant river, whose streams will make glad the city of God. This, of course, is speaking of Jerusalem. But the streams here for us has to do with the streams of proper, proper thinking in a very divine order. David, the Holy Spirit through David talked about that. He talked about that here in Psalm 16. And listen to what it says here in Psalm 16. Look, look, at, look at Psalm 16. It says in verse 1, keep and protect me. Have we already been kept by God? 1 Peter 1, 5, we are kept by the power of God. And that's Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24. Do you know what we have? When we submit to his power, that power is the authority of his love. Instantly, wisdom flows. Settles me. I'm settled now. I'm on a foundation. I don't have one foot in the world in thinking and another foot on my foundation because then I get unstable when I think in terms of the world. But keep and protect me. Have we been kept and protected by him? Is there any wrath that will touch us? No. Keep and protect me, O God, for in you I have found what? Ah, refuge. You know what that's speaking of? Thank God in Colossians 3 and verse 3, we died in Christ, and our life is hidden from what? The storms, the doubts, the fears, the anxiety, the lies. 
those fiery missiles from hell that seek to consume his love in us. Seek to consume it through a lie. Because the truth is, can his love and will his love ever be extinguished now that we're in his son, in the son of his love, and in Colossians 1 and verse 13. So uh, keep and protect me, O God, for in you, <coughs> excuse me, I have found refuge, and in you do I put my what? Trust in what? Hide myself. <laughs> I say to the Lord, you are Lord, meaning you are sovereign, you're in control, you're above everything. And I have no good beside or beyond you. As for the godly, the saints, and of course for us, it's us in Christ, who are in the land, and we are in the land. The land is the land of all the promises in, in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, they're settled. They're yea and amen, and they're all unconditional. They're unchangeable because Christ has, in his person and his work, has performed and finished them for you and I. And so we see that the godly who are in the land, the land of promise, they are who? The excellent. Oh, when we think with him, when we cast aside doubt, oh, the excellence that we truly are in him. The noble. We can go through anything. And the glorious in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows will be multiplied who choose another God, another thought. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer or take their names upon my lip, my lips. The Lord is. Notice that? Is he? You know Hebrews eleven six, 6? It says, without faith it is impossible to please him because he that comes to God. How quickly should we come? Doubt, fears, insecurities. How quickly should we come? It's a, without faith, absolute dependence, it's impossible to experience his pleasure for us in Christ. Without faith, it's impossible to please him because he that comes to God, how quickly should we come to him? Must believe that he is, is he? The enemy says, no, he's not. The enemy says, no, this person's not for you. The enemy lies and brings in thoughts about ourselves, about how others, about how the Christians supposedly think about us. The fact of the matter is, we see this and the beauty of it. What is it, what is it that it says, says here? We are, the Lord is. So if we know that without faith it's impossible to please him, we know that with it, with absolute dependence, it's impossible not to experience his pleasure that is ours in Christ. It's impossible. Because he that comes to God must, emphatic, must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently, and that means the Greek word is budadzo, and it means to do it quickly. Quickly run to him. Storm comes, don't hang around. Doubt comes, don't wait. Run home. Think proper thoughts. Think proper thoughts. Submit your will. Submit, give, him, give your mind and your thoughts, your will, everything over to him. No wonder 
those little children need that restraint that they can only find in the, in the place of their refuge and strength in the home in his presence. No wonder David said, I've always set the Lord before my face. And we're going to read it. Here's verse 5. The Lord is my chosen and assigned portion. He is my cup. There's capacity. Psalm 23, verse 5. He is my capacity. But how do I function in it? Uh, apart from his thoughts that that design that very capacity and image that each individual has. You hold and maintain my lot. What is your lot? Again, that's the equal to your capacity. And that capacity that we all have is Christ. Is that a great capacity? How great is he? How great is he? And so we see this then, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. This speaks of proper thinking. You can even see it scientifically. The brain will have lines through a process of thinking that becomes a way of thinking. It's like a path of proper thinking in a mind. The lines of safety. The lines have fallen unto me in what? What kind of places? Pleasant places. Where is that? That's who I am in Christ. He's very pleasant. In whom the Father's delight is located. Yes, I have a good, a godly and good heritage. And as a result of that, even in the midst of the storm, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. And he's giving us counsel. Yes, my heart, my mind and emotions now begin to instruct me in the night seasons. And what this is talking about is, is I take the word in instantly, quickly. Like the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness, they got up first thing in the morning, they got up and they just went out and got the manna. Because that was going to feed them and, and give them the energy and support to go forward through that wilderness, that worldly wilderness. And they said, who has given us counsel and my heart, my mind and emotions instruct me now in the night seasons. What this is saying, I take the word in. I take in his thoughts. It's formed a proper thinking. It's formed proper lines of thinking, of safety, safety and courage and nobility and excellence. And as that happens, and I take that in in the day. This is what this is what Psalm 127 is, is speaking about right here, as we as the Holy Spirit correlates these scriptures. Psalm 127, verse one. It says, "Except the Lord builds the house, are we His house? Except the Lord edifies and builds us up, and we don't experience the reality of who we are, who's in our house, and who we are in Him." They labor in vain. Their thoughts are random. They're scattered all over the place. And as a result, their emotions are all over the place. But they labor in vain who try and build it. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to take rest late. How quickly in this sense should we wait to think his thoughts? Should we wait for doubt and fear? Should we wait in John 10, 10, A, for the enemy, the thief, to come in and steal away? And boy, does he do it. 
you know, sin. He tries to get us to live in sin, doubt, and fear, because doubt is. Doubt is sin. Worry is sin. Because in Romans 14 and verse 23, he that doubts is damned if he eat. Is, is God damning us in Christ? Of course not. But, but he that doubts is damned if he eat, because he's not eating of faith dependence, right? Whatsoever is not of faith is what? Dependence is what? Sin. Sin. And sin, for the Christian, it can't rob the position of our love, but it certainly will rob the experience of his love for us through these vain, scattered, random thoughts. So, but except the Lord guards and keeps that, that city, that place where he, we are, the watchman wakes but in vain. I wake up, he hasn't kept me in the night because I didn't take the word in during the day. Then I fall asleep, and this is known as REM sleep. It's the deep sleep. It's called rapid eye movement, where now your mind is playing back to you everything that you took in, and it's playing back to you, and your emotions are resting. And that's what this is saying. It is vain for you to rise up early and to take rest late, to eat the bread of anxious toil thoughts. For he gives blessings to his beloved in what? Sleep, rest, peace, a peaceful sleep. So, and we'll wrap this up back again here in Psalm 16. I will bless the Lord because he's given me the substance and the sustenance of which to do it. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel Yea, oh boy, my mind and my emotions now begin to instruct me in the night seasons. And because of that, it's what it is, is even in my sleep, I have set the Lord continually before me. He's continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will never be moved. And though in... in, Psalm 46, though everything around us is in tumult and moving and the earth is shaking, wars and calamities and weather, all these things are going on. But we have peace. We have peace because he is our peace. And because he's at my right hand, even though everything else around me, everything's in flux, everything is in change, but I have him in me and my thinking through his word, through submission, and in Malachi 3.6, I experience what? I am the Lord, sovereign, in control of everything. My God, the Lord, my God. What? Who is he? He never changes. He never, ever changes. What will we exchange for him? What can we? Because I have set the Lord continually before me. He's at my right hand. Right hand is where Christ sits where he has brought us in our heavenly position. You see that all in the book of Revelations, the first chapter, you see it in Psalm 110, verse 1, and all through many, many, many different scriptures. But that's our place of approval, safety, security, excellence, nobility. You, when you think with me, and I am the source of your thinking, you are all fair. You're absolutely, gloriously beautiful. 
everything about you is beautiful. And there's not a spot in you. Song of Solomon 4, 7. So start looking from the top in Song of Solomon 4, verse 8. Set your mind. Set your mind. In Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above. Why? Because Christ is sitting there representing us, with us, interceding for us, with us, all the way. He's gone before us, he goes with us, and he's waiting to gather us in a present eternal reality. And so we'll never be moved. Therefore, my mind is glad and my glory. It's almost like my emotions are just like, whoa. My inner self, it just rejoices. My body, too, will rest. You know, they say most diseases that come, and what is a disease? It's a dis-ease. <laughs> Our psychosomatic as a cause of the soul and how the soul thinks and how the soul, how the soul thinks the body has to pay for. No sleep, worry, fear, doubt, doubt. And then we think we get in circumstances and situations and we think, what am I going to do? And we're thinking apart from him who's right there, who will never, ever leave us nor forsake us. Therefore, my heart, my very mind and emotions is glad. My glory, my inner self rejoices. My body too now can rest because my confidence is in the safety that Christ is. Why? For you, boy, you will not abandon me. I talked with Mike about this. We went into some depth, even in our childhoods and certain things and how they can affect us even now. For you will not abandon me to the grave, the place of the dead, the place where everyone is separated. You won't abandon me, even when I don't think thoughts of peace and not evil, which has to do with who we are in Christ and as a result of the perfection of your plan in him. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, he will keep him. He, my, God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. What are they? The thoughts of peace and never evil. So that you can experience the beauty of my settled plans for you. And how can we experience them apart from he who, who performed them, his, his son and who he's placed us. And so as we close this this morning, we too can rest. Because reality is he will never abandon us. He will never reject us. He will never hurt us, ever. And nothing can hurt us because we're in him. You won't abandon me to the grave, the place of dead, the place where the thought says, this is over, it's too late, it's too long. Neither will you allow your Holy One, this is Jesus Christ, to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. Again, this is proper thinking in Psalm 16 and verses 6 and 7. It is that that has to do with even the proper sleep in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. See, it's discipline because he loves us. It's obedience because he loves us. He's never against who we are in Christ. Never. He's against what we function in in the flesh that he's already dealt with. That's all. He's for us. 
And he never changes his thought about us any more than he can, he can change how he views Christ at his right hand right now with us in him positionally. And so you will show me the path of life. You know, Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your mind. Result, you won't lean to your own understanding, your own thoughts apart from him. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. What should we acknowledge? He's right there. He's your refuge. He's your strength. You'll face circumstances and situations and trials. But you know what? He will give you grace and strength in Psalm 68, verse 28, that are far above anything we could ever go through. He'll not only give us grace to deliver us from those things, but bring us into a place where we can fellowship with him in the power of his resurrection in Philippians 3.10. And then a depth of fellowship that only suffering will know. There's a depth. And when you and I suffer, it's not that he's against us, but he's for us in a depth of fellowship that we will have in an exchange with him. In Revelations 2 and verse 17, and we will say, oh, good, I'm so glad you didn't take me out of that suffering because I'm going to reckon face to face with you in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, that all this suffering, if I count it all up, everything I've ever been through and everything that ever happened to me, I will look at it and say, it's not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us exchanged in and on us and flowing through us. And you will continually Show me the path of life, because you're with me. And in your presence is the what? Full, complete joy. And at your right hand, where our position is, there are pleasures, pleasures forevermore. And though everything is moving around us, that Hebrew word here, shaken and tottering, is mote, M-O-W-T. And everything else is wavering around us. Everything else seems to be slipping and shaking and falling. And, and to be exceedingly ready to fall down. But all around us, all around us, even the kingdoms of this world, we're seeing it right now in prophecy. We're moved when the Lord said so. You know, it says in Psalm 46, verse 6, the heathen raged, the unbelievers, the kingdoms were moved, everything is shaking. Right? But he uttered his voice and the earth melted. This speaks of judgment, but there's no judgment for us. It's all around us. That's the prophecy. It's coming. That world system's going to be judged in 1 John 2, verse 17. And soon it's going to be done away with forever. Soon it'll be time will be no more in Revelations 10. And verse 6. And what a beautiful thing that is. That's our present reality. Right? It's our present reality. And the truth of the matter is, for each of us, even right now, each of us, even right now, we're to have boldness in the day of judgment. Judgment has to do with God's wrath. Did Christ deal with that for us on Calvary? He did. There's no wrath for us. There's no evil. There's no wrath. We're to have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is right now, seated at the right hand, complete, finished, so are we right now in this present evil world. And that's why... That's why the perfection of his love and our proper experience continually casts out fear and keeps torture out, keeps punishment, the idea of punishment, kolesis, a punishment, 
uh, just terror and fear and, of punishment. None of that is in his love for us. None of that is in his thought for us because we're in Christ. And in him we're immovable. So Lord, we thank you this morning for the truth of your word, for the comfort, for your, your precious counsel that we have. Oh, how mighty you are in your thought, your one thought. And thank you, Father, for your many words in your scripture. Your many words of comfort. But it all comes from one thought. And that's Jesus, your precious, our precious word, your son in John 1.1. 1, 1. He's the word. And the word was with God. And thank God he came out and put on humanity in 1.14 to bring us right back in to a place that nothing can disturb or distract. Thank you, Lord. We just are so thankful for your loving counsel. Thank you for loving us in the midst of, in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our trial. Thank you, Father. Thank you that even when those that you call to go away, they're not leaving us. They're just going on, and we're going on with them. And we joy in where you're leading them. And we're just so thankful. So, Father, thank you. Thank you so much today. In Jesus' name, amen.